Hey, y'all, just a quick heads up. The episode you're about to listen to is eight to 10 years old. Now, these episodes were intended to be evergreen, and I still believe there's a lot of good information in these early episodes, but I do want to let you know that some of my ideas have evolved over time. Times have changed since we made these episodes, and ultimately, I'd like to think I've grown a lot as an artist and a human and that these don't necessarily represent my best work or the best of the podcast. If you're new around here, I suggest starting with the most recent episode or at least go back to around 300 and move forward from there. Enjoy the episode. everybody. You're listening to the Creative Pep Talk podcast. This show is about commercial art, making good money, making great art. I am your host, Andy J. Miller. Our syndicate is Illustration Age. You can find this show at illustrationage.com slash creative pep talk on SoundCloud, on iTunes, on the internet. It's on the internet. Okay, let's talk about the real show. All right, all right, let's get into the show. Wait, before we do that, one thing real quick. I just launched a new Creative Pep Talk podcast product, and it's a pocket notebook, and it's about the, in in, uh, episode 84, I made an analogy about creativity and breastfeeding, that the more you pump the more it flows, that when you practice your creative muscles, you actually get more creative. You don't run out, just like breastfeeding. And so I turned that into a little pocket notebook, and it says creativity is like breastfeeding. The more you pump, the more it flows. So if you order now, you can still get some for the creative moms in your life. Who do you know that is creative and a mom and needs encouragement to keep pumping that that creativity who do you know that might need that little boost go get it now we can still get it to you in time for a mother's day present uh go check that out um at my site andyj.pizza uh you can click shop at the top or andy-j-miller.com slash shop you can get it there go check it out Thank you. All those sales go to supporting this show, supporting me doing the show. Thank you. This episode is supported by In The Making, an original podcast brought to you by Adobe Express, the all-in-one content creation app included in your Creative Cloud membership. If you are trying to boost the YouTube, TikTok, Reels content side of what you're doing, one episode of In The Making that I think will be super useful to you is their episode with John Yushai. I think John's method for including his audience in the process is really inspiring. And if you want to hear about that and more about leveling up your game in the creator economy, just search In The Making in your podcast player to listen. 
Many thanks to In The Making and Adobe Express for their support. really needed to rehaul my website. I was talking to some web people, looking around, and I got intrigued by Squarespace's new Fluid Engine, partially because it just sounds cool, but also because it allows you to drag and resize and layer up anything you can imagine. I dove in, rebuilt my site. It's the most me site that I've ever had. I just absolutely love it. Launched it. Got such a great response. Some industry illustration and designy peers even reached out and was like, hey, who coded this thing, man? I'm like, y'all, I did it by myself. No coding with Squarespace's new Fluid Engine. I told him, like, you should go check it out. You're going to be surprised with what you can do. And I built this thing before Squarespace reached out to sponsor the show. So I was like, boom, easy peasy. I was going to tell you about this new site anyway. Go check it out, AnnieJPizza.com if you want to see what I did with it. If you want to try it yourself, make a site that's totally you, where you can build a portfolio, sell content and courses and all kinds of other stuff, head to squarespace.com for a free trial. And when you're ready to launch, save 10% off your first purchase of a website or domain with promo code PEPTALK, all one word, all uppercase. in the day in like 2010 I moved back from the UK with my wife and my baby dot and we bought a kind of an inexpensive house and we were trying to get things moving I we both recently graduated I was trying to make the freelance thing happen and it was just rough it was hard hard days I, I kid you not these were the literally the hardest season of my life and I was trying to maintain this house and there was all these issues. Like we, we found that there were termites in the stump of the tree in our yard. And so I was trying to, you know, figure out what to do with that. We had uh, an expert come in and take care of that. But then we also had this dead tree and it wasn't a giant tree. It was kind of, you know, small to medium-ish size tree but it was dead and I was like uh the termites are gonna get into this tree so I gotta get it down and uh I didn't have anything to get it down right and I was trying to like trying to you know save as much money as I could and and try to get it down because I was in a, a mad panic to get it down and I went into my garage and there was a handsaw So I thought, I'm going to try to saw this thing down. So I go outside, and I'm sawing away like a madman, going crazy on this thing, sweating my face off, and I haven't even got an inch into it, uh, and I'm getting nowhere. And um, so then I think, all right, it's a dead tree. Like, it's not going to be terribly difficult to take down. Uh, If I could just get some leverage, I could probably pull this thing down. And so I, this is a ridiculous story. And those are the only ones that you should really tell, the ones that make you look like an idiot because those are the ones that people enjoy hearing. And actually, my daughter and my wife love this story because it still cracks them up today. Um, but I'm just giving you that disclaimer because it's ridiculous. So I go into my garage. I can't find – I don't have a rope so I grab uh, an extension cord and uh, I go lasso uh, the tree like cattle 
And I, I turn to my wife and my daughter and I say, you know, step back, stand back, everybody. I'm about to pull this tree down. And I lean back. I pull really hard and boom. Now, boom is not the sound of the tree falling over. <laughs> That's the sound of me putting all of my weight into pulling the tree down. But all that happens is the limb falls off and I fall straight out of my back. <laughs> like one fell swoop, boom, straight on my back. Um, and so long story short, I actually go out and buy the right tool. I, I buy an ax. Three chops later, the thing's on the ground. And I think often that in the creative commercial career that's the CCC, the creative commercial career, <laughs> in, in that pursuit uh, that we often spend all of this time and energy trying to get our right position in the market, trying to gain some traction, get some purchase. I love that word. Some purchase, right? Like make some ground in this world. Uh, try to network our way, try to market our way, try to promote, try to send emails, try to get people to know about our work when really the work isn't where it needs to be. Like we don't have the tool to break through that we need. The tool is the work. We focus all this energy. We're sweating our faces off with the handsaw when really if we had an ax, this thing would come down in no problem. Early on in my career, the work wasn't where it needed to be, and I was sweating trying to get this thing off the ground. In the past couple years, though, I think I've got the components evened out. I've got the right things going on in my work, and the, all of the rest, with the right tool, the work is so much easier. Now, when I throw my net out, I'm not sweating my face off to get people to pay attention. I'm not saying I've, I'm living on a throne and throwing piles of cash around and people are like breaking down my doors to give me money so I can draw pictures for them. But when I do make an effort, it lands so much easier now that the work is closer to where it needs to be. And so today, what we're going to talk about is the three components of great work in my mind. And we're gonna talk about if you're out of balance, if you're out of whack, how to get it back into balance. I think that these three components are the three legs to the stool of the foundation of your career. And if any of them is underdeveloped, you're gonna be off center and you're gonna fall and break your booty. And so, if you are at a stage where you're making all this effort and you've gotten pretty far, but now you're plateauing, you've hit a glass ceiling, and the things that have got you here aren't getting you any further. There's a book called What Got You Here Won't Get You There, and it's about how when you go on a big journey in your career that there comes a time where all the things that you've learned, all the things that you've done are not going to take you any further until you massively reinvent the way that you approach the problem. And so today we're going to talk about the, the work that you have today, 
maybe it's taking you pretty far. But if it's if you're having a problem breaking through to the next level, you might have to really reinvent things. You might really have to even things out. And today, that's what we're talking about. The first point comes from my man, Gordon Ramsay. This was uh, something that really blew me away. Gordon Ramsay was on Jimmy Kimmel, and Jimmy asked him, Gordon, like, what's the one component that makes the difference between a good chef and a great chef? Like, what's the thing that you're looking for when you're hiring? And I thought Gordon would say passion or drive or work ethic or skills or whatever. And the thing he said really got me thinking, and it was this, the one thing that really sets a chef apart that they have to have is good taste. And he said that, you know, if he doesn't, if he or she doesn't have a brilliant palate, like the ability to taste what's good and what's bad and taste that nuance, they're not going to be able to create nuanced dishes, right? They're going to just be working with the basics, the sugar and the salt, the things that we know, you know, the the lowest common denominator. If they don't have that highly developed taste, they can't create highly developed work. And I don't think that we talk about this the most. Out of these three components, in my opinion, I agree with my man, Gordon, I think the most important component to great work is having a highly developed sense of taste. Now, I'm not saying that my taste is the best. I think that all kinds of different types of tastes work, all kinds of different preferences, all kinds of different niches. But what I do think is that you really need to know your stuff in the arena that you're going in, and it needs to be highly developed. Here's the issue, though. The issue is that if you don't have good taste, by nature, it's a catch-22. You won't know that you have bad taste. And this brings me to what I think is the biggest thing stopping the development of your personal taste, and that's ego and pride. The way to fix an underdeveloped taste, the way to get better taste the way to grow this part of your work is to humble yourself before some sort of authority. You have to find people and and resources in your life that you trust, that know more than you, and indulge and challenge yourself with things that don't yet make sense. You have to acquire new tastes. In my life, this has been a game changer. I was thinking through this and I was thinking, what started my taste? What started the, the, the good parts of my taste? And I looked back and speaking of chefs, let's talk about a, a current uh, Columbus, Ohio hero of mine, Will Johnston. This is a guy I actually went to high school with back in Columbus, Indiana. And now we just both have, both randomly have found ourselves in Columbus, Ohio. And uh He changed my life, this guy, in high school. We were in junior year, and uh, I walked into Spanish class, and he was listening to Modest Mouse. 
And at the time, I was listening to mainstream R&B and rap. Ain't nothing wrong with that. You know I'm a big Boys to Men fan, Tupac fan. Uh, but, but I, you know, it was just the mainstream everyday stuff. And, uh, and I walk in and I hear this music. And honestly, when I first heard it, it, it was like tasting beer for the first time. Like it just didn't, I didn't know what to do with it. It didn't make sense. I didn't like it. That's for sure. But I respected Will. I knew that he was a smart dude. He was more cultured than me. He just, I, I trusted him. I thought this guy knows something that I don't know. I could just tell. And the way he talked about the music intrigued me and it grew my curiosity. And I was just kind of stopped in my tracks. And instead of thinking, ah, I don't get it and turning the other way, a kind of big pivotal thing happened. I went out and bought the record. I, I followed that curiosity and that challenge. And I listened to that record probably five times before it made sense at all. But the more I listened to it, the more curious I got. And then eventually it clicked and it blew me away. Changed my life because it was their gig posters that actually turned me onto design and illustration. That's why I wanted to become an illustrator. And so I think you have to ask yourself, where can I find trustworthy sources that will bring me a challenge? And then be up for the challenge. You know, I think as people get older, the reason that sometimes their work becomes obsolete or less relevant is because they quit challenging themselves. They quit chasing that curiosity and they said, well, I've got good taste. And that's that pride and ego thing. You know, uh, I'd say about in 2011, I met my good buddy, Andrew Nyer, and he he was a new one. He, he was more cultured than me. He'd gone to art school. And I was really into the kind of contemporary art and design scene. And he would constantly be talking about Matisse and Oldenburg and Picasso and Henry Moore and the surrealists and all this stuff. And I, and I had no idea what he was talking about, first of all. And then we'd go to the museum and he would show me different things. And I would just be like, I don't get it. I don't under what's interesting. It just looks old to me. Like I couldn't, it wasn't hitting. And I'm embarrassed to say that because now I've actually taken the time to really dive in. And I'll tell you what, the biggest influences on me in the past couple of years uh, have been Henry Moore and Paul Clay. That stuff is really revolutionizing the way that I'm looking at my work lately. It's have a massive impact and I'm it's what I'm really like getting into. It's like it's doing it for me. And that was another point where my taste developed and grew and in my opinion got better. And so here's my challenge to you. What are the things in your life that you're kind of suspecting? Man, there's something about that that I just don't get. Instead of turning around and running away into the comfort zone, which your subconscious actually wants you to do because it wants you to stay safe, it's not interested in you becoming a better artist, lean into those things. Go out there and find the stuff that makes you uncomfortable that you don't understand, that you know might be good, you just quite aren't there yet. And be okay in that place of humility, in that place of, I don't get it yet. And sometimes you're going to dive in, you're going to get really familiar, and you know what? It's not going to be your taste, no matter what you do. You may never like IPAs, okay? That's okay. But don't run away from the challenge to develop your tastes, because I'll tell you what, I honestly agree with Gordon. I think nothing will take you further than good taste.
The first half of my career was built on taste alone. I don't even think I had the other two components that we're going to talk about. I think taste is a make or break. I think if you don't have good taste, it doesn't matter how much you have of the other two components that we're going to talk about, you can't get anywhere. This one is so massive and I think it I think most artists really really miss it and I think it's a, out of a sense of ego. Never lose that ability to stay curious, to stay humble, and, and stay teachable. Always believe there's more out there that you don't understand, that you can't comprehend yet, that you're going to have to be a student of. So find those resources, find those people who you can respect and look up to to teach you and develop your taste because I think it's make or break. came a time in my career where I, the taste wasn't taking me any further. It got me there, but it wouldn't get me any further, and I hit that glass ceiling. And I think the next stage was about skill, developing those basic skills. There came a point when I couldn't go any further, because when you're all taste, you're not going to be able to get everybody on board to pay you, because taste is a esoteric skill. It's a thing that's hard to pin down, hard to really value. People have a hard time paying for things that the value is very esoteric, very hard to pin down, very hard to um, really, you know, it's, it's not super obvious the value there. And so you can only go so far with taste alone. I think there comes a point where you really, really need to lean into the basic skills. If you're in the restaurant, you've got a good sense of taste. You know it tastes great, but it takes you two hours to cut an onion. You need to learn those knife skills. So there came a time for me where I really had to think about how do I get better at drawing? Like that wobbly line work that I'm doing, it's not working anymore. How do I get better at techniques? I'm doing all this old school analog stuff, which works, you know, some people can build a whole career on that and that's fine. People that are fantastic at that, but I wasn't, it was a crutch for me. So I had to learn, how do I learn the new technology? How do I get um, up to speed so I can run with the big dogs, the people that are doing the new stuff? There came a time where I really had to lean into learning the drawing, learning how do I draw anatomy? So what do you do when you find yourself there? You've got taste, you've, it's taking you this far, but your work, you know, the technique and the craft isn't there. The 10,000 hours aren't there. Malcolm Gladwell talks about that. You've probably heard, it takes 10,000 hours to be an, a master. But the funny thing about that is, the other part that most people leave out is that it actually has to be the right type of practice. And the only way you can know if it's the right type is if you become a student of someone who knows that stuff. And so for me, even just online classes, Skillshare, that kind of thing, like that was dramatically helpful for me. A few years ago, I took some classes about just really figuring out the pen tool in Illustrator. It was a game changer. It took me almost no time. It took me like a few hours and it dramatically changed my work. So what is it? What are the areas that you know you've been putting it off because it doesn't sound fun and you say, oh, it doesn't matter anyway. It's not about the skills, right? What are those things? What are those things you need to stop saying that? And you need to say, look, 
my career, my work, it's imbalanced, it's all taste, no, no skill, no substance. I need to stack the deck in my favor. And that's all we're talking about. We're talking about these are the components of good work. If you've got all of them, that tool is going to cut that tree down in no time. But if you lean too heavily into one, you might never really get there. You might never break past that ceiling. There might be local classes. If you're a guitarist, the strumming's not cutting it anymore. Stack the deck in your favor. Start learning that finger picking. Get that crazy stuff. Get, start figuring out those crazy tunings. Challenge yourself with some songs that are really pushing the limits until you get good at it. It's a game changer. It's a game changer. And then practice. So if we're talking about taste, I think of, uh, let's, let's compare it to the rap game. I'm thinking Drake, okay? He's got the taste. He's the trendsetter, right? Those, those, uh, those turtlenecks, you know? <laughs> but he's, he has that sense of taste because, you know, he knew about The weekend before The weekend was a thing. His album Take Care was heavily influenced by that new stuff that was going on. The weekend w- worked on that a bunch. And he's the guy who's like, a, he's always on that, that he was always a, he's a tastemaker. Then you think about skill. We got a guy heavy in skill. We're talking about Twista. That guy can rap like extremely quickly. He can rap circles around most rappers. But it but both of them I think are going to hit a ceiling in terms of being the greatest of all time. Because Drake might be in the moment right now, but I'll tell you someone who has got the taste and the skill and that's Kendrick Lamar. His work is super relevant. It's on trend. It's pushing the boundaries. It's got great taste. It sounds great. It's catchy. It's got all that stuff that Drake's got. But then he's also got those chops, that old school rapping chops that says, at any minute, I could tear you to pieces with that stuff. So he's got both of those things going on. talked about taste we've talked about skill now let's talk about kanye we're talking about innovation now whether you like kanye or not that's irrelevant you don't have to you don't have to agree with me but in my mind i think in terms of production alone i'm not crazy about his lyrics but in terms of production he's been super innovative in the field of hip-hop he changed everybody started getting more arty when he came along i think Beyonce, I think she owes something to Kanye because I think he's one of those key players that started getting creativity in the mainstream of the rap game. So let's move on to the third topic, innovation. So you're a chef. You've got great skills. You can, you can make the dough. You can make it from scratch. You've got great taste. You know the right toppings to put on the pizza. But if you don't have innovation, you're not going to compete with everybody's favorite. Like, there's already a great pizza place in town. If you're not innovating, you have no reason to get those customers to come to you. You're always going to be second best. And here's the thing. I read a book recently called The Dip by Seth Godin. It's fantastic. It's about knowing when to quit, knowing when you're on a path that is is not going to take you where you want to go. 
and knowing that it's time to quit. And he says, if you're on a path and you're only going to be second best, you need to stop. Now, you can be the best at a very specific little tiny thing. So it's actually possible for you to be the best in the world. But if you're going to be Burger King, and I don't like Burger King, I don't eat Burger King, I, <laughs> but Burger King is the perfect example of the second best to McDonald's in terms of that game, if you're in that race of the, the, the fastest food, um, <laughs> then, then you need to quit. You, you, if you're, and here's the reason, he argues, that the first best 10 times Ten times is the second best. And there's only really value in being number one in any particular race. And if you're going to do that, if you want to get into your own race all by yourself so you can be best in the world, you've got to innovate. So maybe your taste is great. You're, you've got a great sense of taste. Your work is really tasteful, classy, tactful, great stuff going on there, relevant. And you've got the skills. You can draw. You can finger pick, you can, you can chop the onions, you can do it, you can wrap, you can wrap circles around everybody, but you don't have innovation, you're only going to be second best. So how do you innovate? I think there's three basic components of innovation. There's three types. There's three ways to do it. One is experimenting, just stumbling upon interesting things. So if you're an illustrator, I think that means having a sketchbook that's ugly, having a sketchbook where you try things that you know is going to go wrong. And then also making personal work that you don't know the outcome and always continuing to try things that are maybe going to go wrong. Like you, you, you got to try things that you're not sure how it's going to go. That's the experiment. And then sometimes you start to, uh, you start to stumble upon things that, that are totally new. That's one way that you innovate. Another way I think that you innovate is combining existing things that have never been combined. That's not a word. (laughs) Never been combined? I don't know. I don't know what the past tense of that is. We're not going to get hung up on it for the purposes of this podcast. (laughs) But when you take, I, a lot of people think that creativity is, is purely making connections where, there, where it seems like a contradiction, taking two unrelated things and putting them together. So for me in this podcast, I didn't know of any podcast in the illustration graphic design world where there were monologues about strategy in terms of career. So I was taking the, the industry I was familiar with and then things that I saw going on in the business and marketing world, and I was trying to put those things together to create something new. And so what are those areas, that those areas of your taste and skills, you know, those interests that you have that are seemingly contradictory? How can you blur the lines between those so that they become a new thing? There's another area. The last thing I think that you can actionably do to improve your innovation is looking at old and making it new. Going back and sifting through stuff that other people can't even find the taste in, they can't find the value in anymore, the really old stuff. And how do you breathe new life into that stuff? Like often in creativity, innovation is just about going back and sifting through the old stuff and finding relevant things about them and learning and filtering them through your new 
uh, tastes and your new skills and your new software and bringing it into the now by reinvigorating it with freshness. So those are the three components, in my opinion, of what make great work that will bust through any ceiling. If you are finding yourself in a place where you've plateaued, you, you're trying everything, you're meeting people, you're putting your work out there, you're making lots of stuff, but you're just not gaining any of that purchase. You're not gaining any traction. You might be trying to pull down a tree with an extension cord. Just stop what you're doing, bite the bullet, and go get the axe. Stack the deck in your favor. Whatever your preference is. If you love the taste but you're afraid of the skill, you need to go ahead and get into it. If you're firing in taste, skill, and innovation, I really don't think that anything can stop you. And I think that the sky is the limit. For me, it used to be I would send out an email, I'd make a connection, I would, you know, get someone to take a look at my portfolio. And one time out of 10, we'd make a connection, it'd be the right taste, they'd see the right thing in it, and they'd be, they'd get into it and they'd make it, it, it hit. And nowadays, now that I feel like I've, I've been really hustling in all of these areas, that percentage has dramatically increased. I'd say, it's more like five times out of 10. That feeling is just like snowballing. And if you feel like you're rolling a boulder up the hill, it might not be the marketing. It might not be, it might not be that you've just need to search the garage a little longer. Stop what you're doing. Don't be afraid to come to those places where like ask yourself what's stopping me from developing my skills. Do I think I don't have the potential? Honestly, so many things can be learned. Like drawing is a skill. If you go take a few classes, you'll be blown away by how much better you can get. Innovation, it happens. Like go get yourself into that experimenting mode. Go try some new things. Don't be afraid. Whatever's stopping you, keeping you from developing these areas, I'm telling you, You've got the potential. So get on it. When you're firing in these areas, nothing's going to stop you. It's an amazing feeling. And I've got a lot of work for myself. You know, I know which area that I need to work on. And, and, I, and I think over time, you're always going to end up getting a little bit of imbalance and you're going to have to adjust and, and try harder and, and, and get into new things. And, you know, it's just it's a give and a take. You never fully arrive. So I'm not there but I'm aware that these are the things that I'm gonna to have to keep hammering for the rest of my career. Feeling good about this episode, I hope that it bring some clarity and strategy to your thing, to the thing that you're trying to make happen. Don't forget, Mother's Day's right around the corner. We can still get you some of these pocket notebooks. Don't forget, the more you pump, the more you flow. That's, that's right for breastfeeding, and that's right for creativity. Go get it out. Go get it for your favorite creative moms. Go give them a boost 
encourage them to get their sketch on, to get that innovation happening, little sketchbooks. Um, they're, they're, uh, they're, they're tasty biz. Go check them out on my site, andy-j-miller.com slash shop. And when you buy those, you're helping the podcast keep on. You're backing it, but you're getting something in return. So thanks a lot for doing that. Go check that out. Spread the word. Go buy 10 of them and give them to all the creative moms in your life. Thank you guys for doing that. You guys have been really sweet about buying posters and and backing the Patreon and all that, and it makes makes a giant difference. We got all kinds of new things in store. We got all kinds of things going on behind the scenes. Stay tuned for that stuff. Thanks to Yoni Wolf and his band Y for our theme music. Thanks to our proud syndicate, Illustration Age. Thanks to my man, Nate Utesh. Nate Utesh and his band Metavari for all the other tunes. We love you, Nate. Thanks so much. Guys, I hope this episode fired you up to kick some booties and make that work go to the next level and break through. Good luck and stay pepped up.